All right, if you have your Bibles with you, I hope you brought something, either the brick and mortar version or your electronic device, turn to the book of Joshua, chapter 10. Joshua, chapter 10. Last week, I had mentioned to you that my goal in the message was to encourage you. I pray that that happened. I have another goal today, and that is this. I pray that when we leave here this morning, in just a few minutes, that you are going to leave with renewed strength. How many of you say, I'll take a big dose of that, Pastor Dan? Strength. Need strength. In Joshua chapter 10, we see the story of Joshua leading the children of Israel into the promised land. Of course, you know that. Moses had led them all the way to the banks of the Jordan River. Moses did not get to go into the promised land, but now it becomes the task of Joshua to lead them into the promised land and to fight the battles for everything that God has called them to possess. And what we see is that as they face these battles, one after another, one after another, God gives them something that we call supernatural strength. Say that with me. Now, I need to, if you will indulge me for just a minute, I need to give you, and I don't often do this, I'm going to put up a couple of maps because the geography of this is critical to the understanding of the message of what we want to communicate with you. So, let me give you the context. Give me a couple of minutes to lay the context in place. As we put up the first map, please. I think that was the easiest one to read. Here we have the nation of Israel, or a snippet of the nation of Israel. On the west side, you have the Mediterranean Sea. Um, Further toward the east, you have the Dead Sea, uh, the River Jordan. And then, uh, so that's the general idea. We have this little city called Gilgal, which is here just north of the Dead Sea in the lowlands, Gilgal. And that's going to be the context and where we spring this, uh, the, the springboard for this message today. Uh, also, then we, we go to Jericho is right here just to the southwest of that. Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, and the walls came. Ah, yes, you remember. So that happened there, and then we know there was a battle at Ai, actually, where the, the Israelites went and fought the battle and lost, and they had to go back uh, again, and, and then to finally get victory and claim that victory. Then there's this community, this area called Gibeon, where the Gibeonites are from, where the Israelites actually conquered them and they became slaves to the Israelites and servants, as you, as you will, to them. And so that's where that's all going. But the problem is that the Gibeonites, they formed a treaty with the children of Israel. And so they became very dependent upon them. And when this treaty was formed between the children of Israel and the Gibeonites, it very, very much upset the southern kingdoms. Jerusalem, Jarmuth, Hebron, Lachish, and Eglon, these five here with called the southern kingdoms, kind of led by this guy named Adonai Zedek. Uh, he was the king of Jerusalem at that time. He became aware of this alliance between Gibeon and the children of Israel, was very unhappy about it because he knew it gave Gibeon a great advantage because Joshua and the Israelites are killing it everywhere. They're having victory after victory after victory, and they could not let that happen in Gibeon. So what they, he did, he called up his buddies, the kings of these other four cities, and said, the five of us are going together, and we have to go and attack Gibeon. And so that's where we pick up this story um, in Joshua chapter 10, and I'm going to ask, I've asked Pastor Brent if he would help me by doing the, some of the reading here this morning. Joshua chapter 10, starting with verse 6. Pastor Brent. 
The Gibeonites then sent word to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal. Do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us. Help us because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. So that's what's happening. These guys are coming together. They get word of it. They're about to be attacked. And they they put out a cry for help. Help us, they said to the Israelites who are over here in Gilgal. Go ahead. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. That was his strategy, by the way. He had a a, a unique battle strategy. He was going to take all of these forces who are now up here about to attack Gibeon. They're all sitting and waiting, and he's going to take them by surprise. Go ahead. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road going up to Beth Haran and cut them down all the way. Let's put up map number two. It's a little harder to read, but I want us to see the journey. So... Joshua and his army has left Gilgal. They've come across this way to the west, to Gibeon. They are here, and they've, they've found that all of these forces here have come, and they're about to try to attack Gibeon, but Joshua's coming after them, and they're chasing them out up to the northwest to Beth Horon. Go ahead. Israel pursued them along the road going up to Beth Horon and cut them down all the way to Azekah and Makeda. Southwest. As as they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Horon to Azekah, the Lord, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them, and more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Son, stand still over Gibeon, and you moon over the valley of Agilon. That's about right here. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies, as is written in the book of Jasher. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Now, folks, that's a story, okay? Two spectacular miracles that take place. Not only do we have the hailstones from heaven coming down right here in the valley of Agilon in this area as, as, the, as Israel has chased them up to Beth Horon and coming down to this area, but not only the hailstones, but then the story of the sun standing still. And I'm going to unpack these uh, little by little. So for the context of application of, of this story, this morning, you are Joshua. Turn your neighbor and say, just call me Josh. Go ahead and do that. But here's what you need to know about who you are if you're Joshua, and you are this morning, you are Joshua. Joshua was a warrior. He was a real warrior. Now Moses was a leader, and he led them out of Egypt to the banks of the Jordan River, but it was Joshua who was called to lead them into battle. He was well-equipped to do that, and he was an amazing warrior, and you are Joshua. You have a battle that you're fighting to, maybe several that you're facing. You have something that you are fighting for. But what I want us to see this morning, what I want us to be strengthened and encouraged by is this. Joshua possessed something which the story reveals to us that every one of us in this room today and watching online, every one of us has access to it as well. Here's what we need to know about Joshua. He was only going to fight half the battle, 
because God was going to fight the other half. How many are thankful for that today? I mentioned a moment ago that Becky is indeed my better half, and she certainly is that. And there are many mentions, several mentions in the New Testament. Uh, you hear this phrase, and the two shall become one in a marriage relationship. She's half and I'm half, but together we make one. And the truth is, physical marriage shows us a picture of a spiritual truth, our relationship with Jesus. After all, we know the church is referred to as the, as the bride of Christ. So when you come into relationship with Jesus, the two become one. This is endorsed by the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 6, 17 when he says, but the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Say one spirit. The person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. The truth is, church, Christ really is your better half. But unfortunately, on this earth, when we're fighting our battles, we tend to fight with our weakest half, failing to involve the stronger half. I want us to see from the story we've read this morning, though, that God gave Joshua something and gave his Israelites something. He gave them supernatural strength. And I believe with all of my heart that God wants to give each one of us here today his supernatural strength for us to get through the battle that we're facing. Who wants that? Say amen. So from this text, I see three things. If you're taking notes, three things that I want us to, I want us to, uh, uh, to see this morning that I'm asking God to impart to each one of us. The first is this, God wants to give you supernatural strength to endure. Supernatural strength to endure. Now, we need to understand something about the endurance of this battle that they were fighting. Go ahead with verse seven of chapter 10, Brent, please. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. Put map number one back up for me, please, first, the first map. So what we just read is they went from Gilgal up to Gibeon. That's where they went. There's a nice, pretty, straight line right here. Looks like, okay, we could probably all, all do that. Any time we say someone went from point A to point B, that really just tells us they got there. It doesn't tell us anything about the journey. It doesn't tell us anything about the challenge that's there. But go to my map number, uh, map number three, that one. I have a, an application that allows me to take these biblical places and I can kind of cut them and slice them and turn them and twist them and see what the topography is and what's really, going, what's really going on. Here's what we find out. That journey looks very simple, but it was 18 miles from Gilgal. I know the words are twisted because I've done that. Gilgal all the way to Gibeon, which is up here. 18 miles, but what you need to see, it was also a 3,100 foot increase in elevation. It was not a pretty blue straight line. Gilgal was 740 feet below sea level. Gibeon was about 2,360 feet above sea level. That's 3,100 feet of mountainous and rough terrain. 18 miles 
uphill overnight, which means there was no sleep when you should have been sleeping. That's when you're marching uphill, going up this 18 miles. And not only that, guess what? You are carrying with you your swords and your shields and your camp and everything that you needed to do battle. You were weighed down with gear as you went in the night, losing sleep, going 1,800 miles uphill. And historians would have, have us to know this, that it was about a seven or eight hour march to get from, one pl- from the first place to the other. Then, let me add to that, when they arrived at Gibeon, they didn't rest. You and I would have been stopping, hey, could, you know, we need to sleep now, we've had no sleep. No, they didn't rest, why? Because Joshua had a battle strategy that I explained a while ago. We are going to, all those forces that are coming up from the south that are waiting to pounce on Gibeon, we're going to take them by surprise, which means, guys, I know you're tired, I know you've marched the last eight hours uphill with all your stuff, but we're now going into battle. When they peaked the final hill, they spotted the enemy and they had to go straight into battle. Now, not only did they go straight into battle, but the Bible says, and what we just read says, that then they pursued them along the road going up to Beth Horon. Put uh, the other, yeah, that one. They pursued them going up to Beth Horon. They didn't stop after that journey up this terrain and the battle. They didn't stop. They chased them and chased them. This blue line is where they chased them. And then down into Azekah and Makeda. So, That was about another, from here, that was about another 25 miles that they then chased them. I don't know what you call that. I call that supernatural strength. That's beyond what I could do, how about you? That whole thing is beyond what any of us could do. That's supernatural strength. God gives us supernatural strength to endure. 18 miles uphill load it down, fight a battle, and then be so energized by the battle that you chase the enemy 25 miles out of town. That's nothing but supernatural strength. And here's what I want to acknowledge in this room today. You've walked 18 miles. It's been uphill, loaded down with all kinds of stuff, all kinds of gear that you had to carry. The truth is, folks, the last eight months have been living on this planet has been an uphill climb. Am I right about it? And the challenge for us today is this. This battle is not over. I don't know if you've noticed yet, but this battle is is not yet over. We've got some distance to go yet. We may think we're tired. We may think we're weary. We may be tired of all kinds of things about about what it is. I, I, I could certainly match stories with you, but we're not done with this battle. The battle is still right before us for our nation, for for our, our, our families, our marriage, our kids, our, our finances, for, our fa- for the church. The battle is still right before us and we do not have time to rest. Boy, that was a rousing response you gave me for that. Some of you may be resting right now, I don't know. We do not have time to rest. That's why I said a moment ago, the difference that it's, it's devastating if the church is not healthy. It's discouraging. It's disheartening if the country, country is not. But if the church is not healthy, we're really in a mess, folks. We do not have time to rest. And just when we were hoping that this whole thing was going to be over and done with, 
We find out that we still have to wear these masks and we still have to social distance uh, all the way. We found out we thought it was going to stop by Mother's Day. Then we thought it was going to stop in the summer. And here we are into no- November. This is the first of November. And it's going on into the fall and going to go on until, uh, until. I don't know how long and you don't know how long. Bethesda, I think it's going to take one thing for us. It's going to take supernatural strength beyond what you and I have the ability to muster up. It's going to be more than just trying harder. We might think trying harder is a good idea. It's not just trying harder. It's asking God for his supernatural strength. And from what we're reading in the word today, he has the ability to give supernatural strength to endure. It's going to take someone fighting for us. It's going to take our better half. Somebody say amen to that, please. Let me show you uh, an endorsement of this from uh, a passage in Hebrews about endurance from the, what we call the Passion Translation. Hebrews 10.35 basically says this, so don't lose your bold, courageous faith, for you are destined for a great reward. You need the strength of endurance to reveal the poetry of God's will. Isn't that a great way of saying that? You need the strength of, to endure, the strength of endurance to reveal the poetry of God's will. And that's exactly what we just read. Joshua and the Israelites had it. And obviously, their endurance in the battle did nothing but unveil or reveal God's poetry when he sent hailstones down on the enemy. By the way, a little research on those hailstones will tell you it was not the little pea-sized or even uh, lemon size or even softball size. We, sometimes we might hear that. I did uh, enough looking into it to realize the largest recorded hailstone ever dropped in the United States was in the state of Kansas. I forget what year it was, but they were about a foot wide. Now that's a hailstone, folks. But when you do the research on what happened here in the Valley of Ajalon, it says that they were, they were almost like two and three feet pieces of hailstone. Imagine coming out of the sky at the velocity it would have, it would have killed you in an instant, in an absolute, absolute instant. And the amazing thing about that is God sent the hailstones at exactly the right location where the enemy was, at the right location, at the right time, and more of them were killed from the hailstones than the entire army could kill together. That's because God gives you supernatural strength to endure. And also there was another, uh, another moment, a poetic moment, where the sun literally stood still, or so it appeared. It's important that you and I, too, find this strength to endure and receive the supernatural strength that only, can only come from the Lord. All through Scripture we see it. We know Elijah had it. We know Samson had it. We know David had it. We know Elisha had it. And time and time and time again throughout Scripture, you'll read this phrase that I love reading it. It says this, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon them. And the Spirit of God came upon him or came upon her. And every time I read that, in in my own heart, in the quiet of my own heart as I'm reading, God, I want the Spirit of the Lord to come upon me for this this day, for this season, for this task. I need, can you agree with me today, we need the Lord? I'm looking for the Spirit of the Lord to come upon us as a church, as a church in Fort Worth, as a church in this nation, that we can accomplish his purposes and that we have the supernatural strength to endure. And I came to remind you today that you have the same access to this strength as any of the people that you read about in Scripture. 
Because the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is the Spirit that dwells in you and me. Somebody ought to say hallelujah. Folks, it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so how do you get this? How do you get this supernatural strength to endure? Well, let me show you the prerequisite. It's from a passage, actually I read much of it in last week's message. It's from Isaiah 40. I love this. Have you not known... Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. What does he do? He increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So the question then comes to us, what do I have to do in order to receive supernatural strength? Well, there's one prerequisite in this. It's this, acknowledge your weakness. That's what's required. Acknowledge your weakness. And look at what the Apostle said. He Basically, he said uh, in 2 Corinthians, he says, I embrace my weakness because the Lord has said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Another version says, my power works best in your weakness. Isn't that an amazing thought? Oh, I wish I had, I don't have the time to tell you the, the testimonies within my own life of stepping up to do something that I felt not qualified for and I was too weak or too, too troubled down with everything else and didn't have it together, even to stand on this platform many times and recognizing every time that I said, Lord, your promise is that, in my, that your strength is made perfect in weakness. I confess my weakness. And church, until you let God in on the secret that you are truly weak, then he cannot even give you the full measure of his strength. He has more strength and more strength, more and more strength to give you, but we must confess, Lord, I'm weak today. How many are willing to say, I'm weak? Where's the weak ones? Just lift your hand. It's when we acknowledge the weakness in our humanity that God gives us the bold empowerment of strength. Bless his name. God wants to give you supernatural strength to endure. Second thing I want you to see from our text is this. God wants to give you supernatural strength to fight and to not fight. That's a little confusing. He wants to give you the strength to fight and to not fight. From our text, we see that there are moments, come straight from our text today, there are moments when we fight the battle and then there are moments when we have to let God fight the battle. And the strength and the wisdom and the discernment to know the difference. That's what we have to know. Now, I know there's plenty of folks who say, I just, the Lord just fights all my battles. Well, that's nice. That sounds good. But that doesn't mean that you're exempt from you're doing your part. Doesn't mean that you, you're just getting a free ride and you, you just lay back in your hammock and swing. And No, I found this, this quote. Divine help does not exclude human exertion. Rather, it is to inspire us to greater efforts and to zeal. Let's look at this from our text, Pastor Brent. Uh, Joshua 10, start with verse 9. After an all-night march. That's Joshua fighting. From Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. 
The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. That's God fighting. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. That's Joshua fighting. Israel pursued them along the road going up to Beth Haran and cut them down all the way to Ezekiah and Makeda. Okay, that's Joshua fighting again. As they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Haran to Ezekiah, the Lord, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them. Only the Lord could do that, right? And, that's God fighting. And more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. Church, here's, here's the reality. You may feel like you're fighting really hard, but as hard as you will fight or will ever fight, God will fight harder. Amen. He's your better half. Why would you ever fight without him? So it is important for us to learn the moments where we fight and the moments when we let God fight and to know the difference between the two. I'm gonna give you an example from another place in scripture where we have a, an, an absolute masterful example of this in King David. He understood this and had this ability better than anyone we have record of. When we fight and when God fights. Let me show you this example. It's from 2 Samuel 5, where, where we read, the Philistines arrived and spread out across the valley of Rephaim. So David asked the Lord, should I go out to fight the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? And the Lord replied to David, yes, go ahead. I will certainly hand them over to you. So what we see is that David inquired of the Lord. And the Lord responded basically, David, yeah, this is your fight, buddy. This is yours. But you know what? You go fight it, but I will be with you. And yes, I will hand them over to you. It's your fight, but I, you go fight it and I'll be with you. And then just three verses later, not chapters later, not books later, not centuries later, three verses later, then we read in verse 22 of 2 Samuel 5 this, but after a while... This all happened again. The Philistines returned and again spread out across the valley of Rephaim. So get this, it's the same enemy, it's the same location, it's the same set of circumstances. David could have very, very easily said, you know what, I did this the other day, I, I got this, I, 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 know, I know how to do this, I've walked through this before, I, and so I can, I can handle this, so, and, 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 we, and I won last time, so come on guys, let's go get them, we know what to do. But look what the next verse says, it says, so again, David asked the Lord what to do. That's just not the way we do it. We think once we get it down, we think once we've, you know, we, well, our experience has taught us that we've got it. We know how to do this. But it says, David asked the Lord what to do. And this time, look at the answer from the Lord. Do not attack them straight on, the Lord replied. Instead, circle around behind and attack them near the poplar trees. And when you hear a sound like marching feet in the tops of the poplar trees, guess what? Heads up. Be on alert because that will be the signal that the Lord is moving ahead of you to strike down the Philistine army. Same circumstances, different fight. What did David do? What's the distinctive that we learn from that? Every time he inquired of the Lord. Every time he did. We tend to think that our experience is something we can lean upon. We tend to think, I've got this down. 
We tend to decide, and so that's why we say today, and I've said it last service, this service, church, we need the Lord. I said we need the Lord. We need him not only for right now, we need him for the next hour. We need him for this afternoon. And whatever battle you're fighting that you think you've been down this path before and know how to do it, the Lord may be giving an entirely different set of circumstances or entirely different set of instructions to you the next time because he's the sovereign Lord God Almighty. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows exactly what's supposed to happen and he's willing and wanting to give that instruction to you today. Now, we also have an example of who got it wrong. Moses got it wrong. You'll remember the time that God told him to strike the rock and water would pour out. And so it happened. And then the next time they were thirsty and and the people were murmuring and complaining, it was the same circumstance. They were thirsty and, and he's leading the same people. It's the same issue. You know, well, I've done this before. Everyone's thirsty. But God said, don't strike the rock. Now I want you to speak to the rock. A different instruction. I hope somebody's getting this. I have no idea who it's for, but I hope it's speaking to somebody. But then what did Moses do when the Lord said, no, no, don't strike the rock. This time you speak to them. He struck it again. And he was so stubborn, he struck it twice. But he struck it because, well, it worked last time. Whack. Whack, whack. That worked last time. I I can't imagine what the deal is. But the Lord had told him, this time it looks just like your last set of circumstances. This time do not strike the rock, speak to the rock. Bethesda, we must have the wisdom to know when do I fight and when do I let God fight my battle? When do I reply on a post in Facebook? And when do I simply let God deal with that person? Probably a little bit, very little you can do on Facebook anyway in case anybody hadn't told you that. When do I fight for my marriage? When do I say, God, I've I've already done too much damage. Will you fight for my marriage for me? Fighting alongside God requires the wisdom to know when am I to swing the sword and when do I wait on God to swing his sword? Hallelujah. Hallelujah supernatural strength to know to fight or not fight. And the third one is this, which we want God to give us the ability. God wants to give you supernatural strength to pray big prayers to a big God and expect big results. This preaches very well in Texas for sure. Big God, big, big prayers to a big God, big results. Now, sometimes we pray big prayers to a big God, but we don't always expect big results. I think some of us are, all in, honestly, we pray and then we're surprised when God answers. I've seen that happen. Let me go back into the story, into our text. I'm gonna show you one of the craziest, most outrageous prayers ever prayed. We've already read it, but we're gonna, we're gonna give it another highlight. And to look at this, we have to try to wrap our minds around actually the astrology of what happens. Pastor Brent, read uh, chapter 10, verse 12, 13, and 14. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel. Okay, now, who's talking here? Who's talking? Joshua. And who's he talking to? To the Lord. And who's listening to all this? The people of Israel. So it's Joshua talking. 
speaking to the Lord in the presence of Israel. And here's what he said. Son, stand still over Gibeon, and you moon over the valley of Agilon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, till the nation avenged itself on its enemies, as is written in the book of Jasher. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There's never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Are you thankful the Lord listens to human beings? I am. Supernatural strength to pray big prayers to a big God and expect big results. But this prayer? How crazy is this prayer? Imagine how much strength this army had. They'd marched the 18 miles uphill, fought a battle, ran the enemy out of town, watched the hailstones fall out of the sky, and apparently Joshua wasn't done yet. I'm asking the sun to stand still. I need more time to fight this battle. It's basically what he was saying. I need more time. I, I want to see this thing through. I'm not just going to knock the, uh, knock the giant down. I want to cut his head off. Now, there's a couple things with this prayer that he prayed, sun stand still, that bring to my mind, and it's this. Here's what happens. When you and I get tired, when we get weary, it's not just our physical bodies, not just our emotions that are tired, not just even our minds that are tired. I'm gonna let you know today that when we get tired and weary, it's our faith gets tired. You ever consider that? That your faith gets tired? Some people say, oh, I'm, you know, I just don't have strength, and, you know, but I, I, I love the Lord. And I, your faith can get drained, absolutely get drained. And then let me tell you the best evidence of that is when we go from praying strong prayers and specific prayers and bold prayers and big prayers to a big God expecting big results to just like, well, God, if you can... Help me get through today, that would be pretty good. And something just, you know, just sort of generic. And I'm going to be honest enough to tell you that what Dan has to remind himself all the time God wants me to pray specific prayers and bold prayers. Let me tell you why. A generic prayer doesn't put me all that much on the line, doesn't get me out there very far. But a specific prayer, God, I'm asking for this. Now I'm on the line, particularly when I've done it in front of others, done it in front of the church or all of Israel, specific prayers. But God is wanting to give us supernatural strength to pray specific, big, bold prayers to a big, bold God and expect big, bold results. Now there's two things that I really love about this prayer. One is this, this prayer that Joshua prayed, son, stand still. Our prayer does not have to be perfect. Sometimes we think, well, I, I shouldn't pray, or I'm not the guy to pray because I, I don't have all the right verbiage and I don't, you know, maybe I need to know, learn a few more scriptures and I don't sound as righteous as other people do and, 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 and I want to get it right and what if I don't, what if I say it wrong? Oh man, it'd be so embarrassing. So, no, this should have been embarrassing to Joshua. I'll tell you why in a second. Our prayer does not have to be perfect. Now, I'm gonna assume that we're not all scientists in the room, but I, th I think most of us have taken a science class, and so let's think this through. 
I doubt that Joshua took a science class where he built the little model of the solar system with the little styrofoam balls and painted the sun yellow. And you know, we, all, we, we all did that. And we have it where all the planets revolve around the sun and we understand. And, and, and you know, when Joshua said to the Lord, sun, stand still. You know how God could have replied to him? He could have said, Josh, buddy, the sun is standing still. It's already standing still. The sun doesn't revolve around the earth. No, the earth revolves around the sun. In order for the sun to appear to stand still, that meant that the earth had to come to a screeching halt. Now, I'm no expert, but I'm pretty sure that it's the revolution of the earth which creates gravity so that you and I don't fall off this planet, okay? So imagine the miracle that took place on that day, and it blows my mind to realize that Joshua did not even pray the prayer right. He messed it up. In fact, he probably prayed it the opposite way of what it should have been. But it's almost as if, oh, how I love this. It's almost as if God looked listening along with the, 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 the Israelites, listening to Joshua pray that prayer, which was not a perfect prayer. It's almost as if he looked down at him and said, Joshua, bless your heart. You know what, Joshua? I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I know what you meant to say. I have a good old filter that I know exactly what your heart was crying out, what you meant to say. I realize that you don't understand the cosmos and how I crafted this whole thing and how I put every star and, and galaxy in place and I, I, I named every one of them and I can call every one of them by name. And I know it may look to you like the sun is moving because you're watching it go from, from east to west, but actually, buddy, you're the one who's moving. And can I just say this, folks? I mess up a lot of prayers. I may be the only one in the room, but I mess up a lot of prayers. And I have prayed things only to see the Lord do the opposite of what I had prayed, which told me my prayer was probably way off. But can I tell you what my testimony is, what my experience is? Every time I prayed a prayer that was not a perfect prayer and wasn't done right, and God did the exact opposite of what I prayed, here's what I know. Every time his response was better than what I had prayed because we serve a God who knows all, the end from the beginning. God has this way of taking my imperfect prayer and making them appropriate and making them right and making them work. So we need not be afraid to pray big prayers to a big God and expect big results even if we mess it up. Is that encouraging to anybody today? I hope so. The second thing I love about this prayer is this. When God answers, God answers our prayer, even when we give him every reason not to. I've certainly done that. Let me remind you this very quickly. The Israelites have run to fight with the Gibeonites and to protect the Gibeonites. Now, here's what we gotta just, if you back up a couple chapters, you'll read what God has said to the Israelites. When you go to the promised land, I want you to drive out all the inhabitants. Drive them out. And don't have a treaty with one of them. And guess what they did? They formed a treaty with the Gibeonites. I told you that back in the beginning. They were supposed to drive the Gibeonites out of the promised land. And though they tricked him and lied to him, Joshua ends up making this covenant with the Gibeonites. 
And then when the kings of the south come up to fight with the Gibeonites, the Gibeonites said, Joshua, help us, help. We're, gonna be, we're being overwhelmed by those kingdoms from the south. And Joshua keeps his covenant agreement with the Gibeonites, which is exactly what Jesus does for us even when we sin. So even when the Israelites messed it up, made mistake after mistake, God kept his promise. He kept his covenant. God came and answered all kinds of crazy prayers. Hailstones falling out from the sky, killing the enemy for them. The sun stands still even though they were operating out of a mistake. They had given God every reason to not, to not bless them like that. Every reason to not answer that prayer. And I got to tell you, that's me. I make mistake after mistake after mistake. And God continues to come alongside me saying, I know you've made mistakes, but who are we going to defeat today, Dan? What territory are we going to take back from the enemy today? God does not give up on us no matter how many times we mess it up. Somebody ought to say hallelujah. He's always there for us every time we come back to him and he will fight for us, even when we've given him plenty of reason to not do so. And so I'm going to ask you to stand with me in this house today, and I'm going to pray a prayer for us. Everyone standing. I'm going to ask God to do something that I can't do. I'm going to ask him to impart supernatural strength to us today. Supernatural strength to endure. Supernatural strength to fight, to know when to fight and not to fight. Supernatural strength to pray big prayers to a big God and expect big results. And I feel the endorsement today of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6 when he said this, now my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. He's your better half. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power not only flowing in you, not just for you to keep and hang on to for yourself, but flowing through you to other people. So Father, I'm praying today I come in the magnificent name of Jesus. Through your word today, and we thank you for your word, we're being reminded that you want to give us supernatural strength. Even when the battle is tough, when we are tempted to quit, when we want to throw in the towel, Lord, I pray for every pastor across this country today who's ready to throw in the towel. I thank you, Lord, that you're going to give them supernatural strength to endure in the name of Jesus. This is a time it would be easy to quit. Very, 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 very easy to quit. But I thank you, Lord, that you're given us supernatural strength to endure. Lord, you're going to give us supernatural strength to know when to fight when it's our turn to step up. We're supposed to take a swing with the sword and when to step back and let you fight for us. Lord, I'm praying you're going to give us supernatural strength to pray those specific, bold prayers, believing that God will bring big results. So I pray for your people today that you're going to pour into them the strength that they need. And I thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. And the church said, amen.